But at the same time, our, our desire always is to do something edifying, right? So even if it is something, you know, maybe a verse that's not common to be preached from, you're welcome to throw that at me and we'll do what we can by the grace of God. Or maybe there's a verse that you would like to hear preached on, so you can give me that as well. So all we're going to do is just you raise the hand, I'll pick the hand, and then we go from there. So, Father Margaret, what you got? All right, Jeremiah 26 and verse 13. All right, Jeremiah chapter 26 and verse 13. And the Bible says, Therefore now amend your ways and your doings and obey the voice of the Lord your God, and the Lord will repent him of the evil that he hath pronounced against you. I think the conditional nature of this verse really helps us to see something. God says, I'm, I'm willing to change my mind. Do you see that at the end of the verse? At, at the Lord will repent him of the evil. So the Lord is planning to punish this particular group, but he says, guys, I, I'll change. I'll change my mind if you change yours. And the word that is used in verse 13 to change there at the beginning, therefore now amend your ways. He could have easily said, now change your ways, but he used the word amend. I don't know if you've ever paid attention to how they put laws, you know, on the law books and the legislation and all of that. It's a big process to amend a constitution, right? You got to write it out and vote on it, and it's a process. It's, it's not easy, nor is it easy for you and I when we become accustomed to doing certain things a certain way to then amend our lives. It's not just a simple snap the fingers, things change, and I don't like that anymore. Now I like this. Sometimes you have to really work, and sometimes you need outside help and counsel, and it takes time for you that are accustomed to do evil to do good. Do you know how hard that is? In one place in the same book of Jeremiah, he said, can the Ethiopian change his skin? That's a good question. Can he? No. Can the leopard change his spots? No, that verse finishes off by saying, nor can they who are accustomed to do evil learn to do good. Why? And that is by yourself. You trying to change yourself your way, it's, it's not going to happen. You're going to have just as much luck changing the color of your skin. This is where we have to say the grace of God steps in. Now, we have to do something with what He's given us. He's given these Israelites an opportunity he has given them a prophet that tells them what to change. But now he says, you guys got to do your part. Stand up, amend your ways. <clears throat> Sorry, and once I see that you're serious about it, you change, I'll change my mind. So, excellent thought for all of us. All right. That's about a minute and a half. Next popcorn. Yes, sir. Christy. Matthew 6, verse 33. <clears throat> Sorry, Matthew 6 and verse 33. But seek ye first the kingdom of God. And his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. This is one of those verses that's like slow, slow bowling across the, <laughs> at the wickets because this verse preaches itself, right? Uh, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And it's obvious what happens with the, with the world. We switch the verse around. We seek first the things. We seek first the things. And, and, and forgive me, I'm going to bring a little context into this. 
<clears throat> verse 31. Sorry. In verse number 31, therefore take no thought, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or wherewithal shall we, uh, shall we be clothed? For after all these things do the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knoweth that you have need of all these things. Throughout the context, Jesus is talking about what you're going to eat, drink, and wear. You realize that defines most people's lives? Students, do you realize for most of you, you're in school right now, and, and I, hope, I hope this isn't you. I hope that you see beyond this. But for most people that are in university, the whole purpose of it is to make money so that they can eat and buy clothing and pay the bills. And that's it. You know, do a few fun things, a few extra hooters. You know, the hooters here and there, that's all that they're after. And, and Jesus is saying, God knows that's what the Gentiles of the world seek after, but to his disciples, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. The things will come. Jesus is not saying the things are not important. He's saying that God knows you have need of those things. Now don't put those things first. And that's why if you want to circle or underline something in verse 33, seek ye first the kingdom of God. You ask the average person, what is the kingdom of God? Now I'm just going to ask you to answer quietly in your heart. What is it? What is the kingdom of God? Say it's heaven. It has nothing to do with heaven whatsoever. Not one time in the Bible ever is the kingdom of God heaven. It's not heaven. What is the kingdom of God? You say, preacher, I'd, I'd love to know. Good, now seek after it. <laughs> I'll let you go find the verse. <laughs> I'll let you go read it later. I'll, I'll let you go check it out in Romans chapter 14 and verse 17. So my two minutes is almost done, but I'll, I'll let you obey Jesus' command and seek, seek the kingdom of God. Lord, teach me what that is. And secondly, he says, and his righteousness. Lord, I just want to do it right. Some people will do anything, anything, cut any corner, pay anything under the table to get the things added unto them. Anything. Jesus is saying it completely backwards. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. The things God will take care of them. Amen. All right. That's a good one. Garrett, what you got? All right. We're, we're going back to Jeremiah 29.11. Oh, man. You give me one of those bumper sticker verses. I know the thoughts that I think toward you, right? Is that where we're at? Yep, verse 20, uh, chapter 29 in Jeremiah, verse 11. For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you an expected end. This verse is one of the classic two-edged sword verses. I love the verse. But the verse is repeated and used in such a wrong way so often it almost makes it a dangerous va a verse to go to. But it's a wonderful verse. God says, I know the thoughts that I think toward you. Do you know the thoughts that he thinks towards you? You say, well, br Brother Mike, I can't know the thoughts because his thoughts are higher than my thoughts and his ways are higher than my ways. And that is why God gave us his word. That is why he sends the man to preach and say, thus saith the Lord, because he wants you to know what's on his mind. As one preacher said, we, the Bible is the mind of God on paper. Why does he give this to us? So that we know at the end of the verse what we can expect at the end. God said, I want, you to, I want you to know how the whole thing ends up. You know how most people read their Bible. Genesis 1, 2, 3, 
right about four or five, it starts to, you know, slow down a little bit. When, by the time you get to chapter five, there's a long list of names. As soon as you hit a list of names, people are gone, right? People are gone. So they just flip to the back and go, well, how does this story end? We have an expected end, amen? You, you know that at any moment a trumpet could sound. Right? Now, for some of you, that, that just thrills your soul to be reminded of that. For others of you, like, trumpet for who? <laughs> for who? <laughs> but we're waiting for a trumpet to sound. And, and when the Lord comes, it says, the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. We know what's coming. God has told us, therefore, we should be prepared. Amen. We should be prepared. Matthew 24, Jesus made it very clear. He says, the day, the hour, no man knows but the Father. Be ye therefore ready, for in such an hour as ye think not, the Son of Man comes. We know what's coming at the end. And that's the reason God is telling his people here, I know the thoughts I think toward you, saith the Lord. Thoughts of peace and not of evil. You say, well, that's wonderful. God's going to fix everything, take away the evil of my life and bring in peace. Boy, you got to get some context with this. You know what he's telling his people? They're going into captivity and they're going to be there for 70 years. Seven zero. Seven to 70 years. He said, guys, after the 70 years, I'm going to bring you back and you'll have peace. You realize for some of you, that's your entire lifetime. For some of these Israelites, that means they're not going to see peace in their lifetime. Now, and I understand we take this verse sometimes out of its context and we think, well, good, God has these thoughts that's going to bring peace into my life. You, you know the peace of God that passes all understanding is not wrapped up in God taking away all the problems. It's wrapped up in you trusting Him to navigate you. But in the meantime, you're going to go through a few things. Just know that it is going to end one day. So maybe you're going through something this morning. Just know it is going to end one day. And we have a wonderful promise from our Savior. We can go to Him in prayer, thank Him for what we're going through, ask for the wisdom to navigate it, and the Bible says the peace of God that passes all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. What a wonderful promise we have. Amen. All right, got another one. Oh, man, I get all these excited hands. Let's shoot back there. Joanne, what you got? All right, Psalm 27, 13. Well, you guys are giving me the soft ones here. Thank you. Being merciful. Psalm 27 and verse 13. I had fainted unless I had believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Oh, David, David helps us so much with practical just life problems. If you've had a rough week, rough month, and you're feeling depressed, the book of Psalms, you need to just hang out there for a while. David had that. He had depressed. He would be clinically defined as depressed, right? That's not the word he used, but it, he would have been defined as that. He said, I had fainted. I, ha I would have quit. I would have quit. Why didn't he quit? Unless I had believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Now, now what's interesting about that, David is saying, I know in the next life, right, after I die, David is expecting to be with God forever. David is expecting a resurrection, and he would be in the land, right? He, he knew that. But that's not what he's aiming at here. I have believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. While I'm still alive, I still think God's going to do something. And that's something everybody, listen, at one point or another, you're going to have some bad days or weeks, months, whatever. 
you're going to need to cling to that hope and that promise that even while I'm alive and the storms are coming down and things are going wrong, I still believe God can do something with all of this rough stuff going on in my life. We covered it on Thursday night a little bit, Romans 8.28. It's a great verse to fall back on, and it kind of links with this one very well. For we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to His purpose. Understand the verse in all of its totality. The good that God can bring about in the land of the living, the goodness that you can expect to see, is that no matter what you're going through, even if it's your fault, God can use that to change you to become more like Christ. That is as good as life gets. That's, that, is, that makes a bad week a really good week. To know that through all of this, God is using this to change me, to make me more like Him. That tells you that you're fulfilling your God-given purpose. That makes life worth living. All right, let's get another one over this side. All right, uh, Carmelina, what you got? Oh, <laughs> she wants the whole passage. All right, we'll do that. John 16, verses 8 through 11. Anybody seen Gustav? I got some water here for him. <laughs> he left his water. <laughs> I don't want to accidentally grab that and start drinking. John 16, verses 8 through 11. Jesus is speaking about the Holy Spirit. It says, And when he has come, he will reprove the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. I love it. He gave us a three-point outline. <laughs> you know Jesus is a preacher, right? He broke it into a three-point outline. Verse 9, of sin because they believe not on me, of righteousness because I go to my Father and you see me no more, of judgment because the prince of this world is judged. Jesus says, and it's the strangest thing in verse number 7, it's good for you if I go away. Now, I, I wouldn't think so. Jesus, we'd love to have you stay. We'd love to be able to see you with our eyes, hear you with our ears, follow your footsteps like literally on the ground. Jesus says it's good if I go away because if I go away, the Holy Spirit's going to come, the comforter, verse 7. How is he going to comfort you? You ever thought about that? In verse 7, he says the comforter will come. Verse 8, how does he comfort you? He'll tell you where you're wrong. Often when we think of comfort, please come and tell me how good I am. <laughs> tell me all the good I've done, right? Tell me everything's going to be okay. The Holy Spirit shows up and says, you're not okay. You're, you're not okay. You've you got a sin problem. And the biggest, worst sin that a man can commit, say it's adultery, it's murder, it's corruption. No, the worst sin you can commit is unbelief. Look at the sin that he deals with you on. Verse number 9, of sin because they believe not on me. You realize there's only one reason people go to hell. One and one alone. You say, they go to, you say you go to hell because of sin. You go to hell because you didn't receive Jesus Christ. You didn't believe on him. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. You say, what's the big deal? Why do I have to believe on him? Verse 10, of righteousness. Your righteousness doesn't match up to his. Jesus was so righteous that God raised him from the dead and took him back up to heaven because Jesus never sinned. Death could have no hold on him. Death gets a grip on you. When you die, you stay dead because your righteousness doesn't match his. Romans 10 verse 13, this is the problem with the world. We going about to establish our own righteousness, we reject the righteousness of God. So God is saying your, your, the rightness of your life is not enough. 
The rightness you need is my son. Verse 11, he says of judgment, because the prince of this world is judged. He says, guys, the devil, who's much smarter than you, knows his Bible better than you, he's going to lose. He's going to stand before judgment and he will be condemned. If you follow his path, if you believe his lies, you're going to end up in the same condemnation. You say, well, Brother Mike, that's not me. I'm not following the devil. I'm not a Satanist. Jesus said to a bunch of religious Jews that had a Bible and believed in Jehovah God, ye are of your father the devil. How do you like that one? Ye are of your father the devil, and the lust of your father ye will do. He was a murderer from the beginning, and abode not the truth, because the truth is not in him. He's a liar and the father of it, Jesus says. And Jesus is, he's already told us in the Gospel of John, you must be born again. If you're in the wrong family, you're following the wrong one, you're going to end up in the same judgment. That's what the Holy Spirit comes to do, to tell the world, listen, you're on the wrong path, Your righteousness isn't enough. You're not going to pass the judgment. Now, as quick as you can, get to Christ. Come to Christ. Come to Christ. That's the invitation. All right, let's get another verse. Let's come back this side. Yes, Ari? Psalm 91.13. Are we dealing with adders and dragons there? Is that right? Psalm 91, verse 13. Mm-hmm. Psalm 91, verse 13, Thou shalt tread upon the lion and adder. The young lion and the dragon shalt thou trample under feet. Woo, she just grabbed us a tough one there. <laughs> so how do we preach this? Thou shalt tread upon the lion and adder. You know there's one being in the Bible that fits both of these descriptions. The Bible says that our adversary, the devil, walketh about as a roaring lion. The Bible tells us in Revelation chapter 20 and 21 that uh, the devil, in chapter 20 rather, the devil, he's that old serpent. He's that old poisonous serpent. That's what an adder is, a very poisonous serpent. The young lion and the dragon shalt thou trample under feet. The promise that you have here is no matter what is thrown at you, if you are a follower and a truster of God, you can overcome not only physical complications and problems, Right? The, the lack of money, lack of health, lack of provision, all of that stuff God will provide, but also the spiritual complications, the spiritual warfare, the spiritual battle. When the roaring lion walks about, when the old serpent subtly comes up and tries to tempt you and steer you wrong, you can overcome that. Now, your overcoming of that is not in your own power. Your overcoming of that, as you can see in verse number Starting in verse 1, He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God. In Him will I trust. Surely He shall deliver thee from the snare of the fowler, from the noisome pestilence, and on it goes. Because you have decided to hide yourself and, and under the covering of His wings and say, Lord, I don't want to do it my way. I'm going to do it your way. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart. Lean not to thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. When the spiritual battle gets heated, and guys, it does, whether you know it or not, you might be in the middle of one right now. The Lord is always there, the Holy Spirit, right, guiding you into truth, saying, this is the way, walk ye in it. 
Now, if you try to do it your own way, you're going to end up trampled. But rather, whatever that thought is, whatever that temptation is, whatever the spiritual struggle is, you take that, that thought captive. You bring it to Christ and you say, Lord, what, what do you want me to do about this? If you obey Christ in that situation, you have victory. You have victory. You know what's great about this context? Just look at verse number 11. For he shall give his angels charge over thee to keep thee in all thy ways. They shall bear thee up in their hands, lest thou dash thy foot against a stone. Does that sound familiar to any of you? Sounds like the New Testament, doesn't it? Because it is. That's what the devil quoted to Jesus in the wilderness during the temptation. Now the devil, if you pay attention close, he misquoted it. He took part of it out and he added something in. When he, he, he's always going to be real subtle and change it in, in such a small way that you don't detect it. This is exactly what the devil was trying to get Jesus to do wrong, to abuse these verses. Now, it shows me right there, this is one of those areas where the devil is going to step in, and the devil will use Scripture to try to confuse you. That's why it's incredibly important that you and I, as Christian soldiers, we know how to use our sword, the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, and say, devil, now you can quote Scripture. I'm going to let the Holy Spirit show me from the Bible how to overcome you. You notice the devil quoted verses 11 and 12. He didn't quote verse 13. <laughs> when he was talking to Jesus, he didn't get to verse 13 because that's his destruction. That's his downfall. Thank God we have a way to make that happen. All right, next verse. Fuck, yeah, there's too many, too many hands popping up. All right, Johan, then we're going to come this side. Yeah. Come on, man. Come on, man. All right. Oh, oh, verse 25. All right, good. I thought you were verse 26. That was a tough one. All right. Hebrews 10, verse 25. Yeah, verse 26 is tough. Now, now, don't, now, now that I said that, don't somebody choose that now. Hebrews 10, verse 25. Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another, and so much the more, as ye see the day approaching. Oh, my soul. Yohan, why'd you give me this verse? You, you know I could preach a while on this verse. All right. Here's the, here's the whole sermon right here. One sentence. Come to church. How's about that? Uh, are we live on YouTube? Shut YouTube off and go to church. There. <laughs> That's the whole sermon. <laughs> it, it is shocking, guys. It is shocking. When we read about forsaking the assembly, right? Giving up on going to church. You understand it's, it's not just going to church on your schedule. The assembling of ourselves together. Falling in line with the schedule of the assembly. That's part of the assembly. Why do we need it? Because as the day approaches, as the day of Christ approaches, we are going to need more and more encouragement from each other to stay faithful. He says in the middle of the verse, as the manner of some is. So just let me ask you this question about your manner when it comes to Coming to church, what is your manner? What is your behavior? What is your habit? Is it a biblical one? Could we put you in the book of Acts? Would you fit? Or would we take your posture, your attitude towards the gathering of the saints, would we look at that and think, uh, man, that, that doesn't sound much like those early believers. When I was in India a couple years ago, I thought I'd seen faithfulness in the States. Guys, I, I'd seen, I've seen people 
They, they come three, four hours. They drive one way three hours to be in church. They get there at nine in the morning. And after the Sunday morning service is done, they don't go home. The Sunday night service starts at 4 p.m. They stay there throughout the afternoon so that they could be at the Sunday evening service. And when it's done, they drive three, four hours to get back home every Sunday. I, I was in the church in Jacksonville, Florida. It wasn't one person. It wasn't five people. It wasn't 10. There were about 25 people that did that. That's a different kind of faithfulness. That's a different kind of, I want to be at church. And then I got to India and found out they go to church at midnight, one in the morning, because that, number one, it's too hot to go during the day, and number two, persecution. Maybe they should come and preach this verse. <laughs> All right, one last one. Yes, ma'am. What you got, Jackie? Five, verse five. All right, First John 5, verse 5. This will be our last one this morning. <clears throat> 1 John 5 and verse 5. Who is he that overcometh the world, but he that believeth that Jesus is the Son of God? Can you guys, would you indulge me just for a moment? This, I, the, the, the verse is, is clear, it's simple. I'd like to preach it, but do you mind if I kick it into the high hum? Just for a moment. I, I, um, I don't do this a lot, but I just kind of got this urge. I woke up with this urge. You guys know what the high hum is? Some, some of you, you don't know the high hum? All right, we'll go into the high hum. Well, the Bible says, He that overcometh the world. <laughs> I'm scaring some of you, I know. But... <laughs> Who is he that overcometh the world, but he that believeth that Jesus is the Son of God? My friend, today, that, mm, uh, that uh, is a question. That is not a statement. That is a question. My friend, as we finish our Sunday school today, uh, I want to ask you that question. Have you believed that Jesus is the Son of God? Have you overcome the world or is the world overcoming you? <laughs> Everybody once in their life needs to preach in the high hum. That's, that's just... That's good preaching. Father, thank you for this time to go into the Word of God. Thank you for what we heard this morning. Lord, thank you for how you spoke through Gustav about finding that spiritual sight. And Lord, I pray that you'd show us what we're missing. And we thank you for standing still today and speaking to us. Bless our fellowship and the service to come now. We ask it in Jesus' name.